Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Grace to you and peace from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for this opportunity to preach this evening on the Feast of the Nativity of St. John the Baptist. My name is Elsa, and I'm a candidate for ordination in the Lutheran Church, and I've recently moved to New York City, and I'm very pleased to be joining you this evening. Tonight, as we celebrate the Nativity of St. John the Baptist, it's important to remember what a feast day is for. A feast day like this gives us the opportunity to reflect on the gospel from the perspective of a particular life, or event in the history of the Church. Tonight, the lens through which we encounter the redeeming work of Christ is the birth of John the Baptist. John was born six months before Jesus, and so we are celebrating his birth this evening exactly six months before the eve of Christmas. John the Baptist prepared the way for the coming of Jesus Christ, both in his word and deed, his proclamation of a baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sin, and also in the very form of his life, his birth and his death. Luke's gospel begins with the pregnancy of Elizabeth, wife of the priest Zechariah. Elizabeth was old and barren, but in her old age, God granted her a son, like he did long before with Sarah and Abraham. Six months into her pregnancy, the angel Gabriel came to her young relative, Mary, and announced that she, too, would conceive and bear a child, the Christ child. When Mary questioned how this could happen, as she was a virgin, the angel cited the case of her relative Elizabeth. In her old age, she who was said to be barren had conceived a son, for nothing will be impossible with God. And so John's conception, too, was a sign of the power of God. And so Mary set out with haste and went to stay with her relatives, Elizabeth and Zechariah, for three months until the time came for Elizabeth to give birth. Mary departed then and returned home, now three months into her pregnancy. I've never been pregnant myself yet, But what I've heard from my friends is that it's around that time, at the end of the first trimester, that you start showing. After about 10 to 12 weeks, the chance of miscarriage decreases, and so that's when most people begin telling others that they're pregnant. And John was born at exactly that moment, the end of Mary's first trimester, when she would be returning home and beginning to tell people about her miraculous pregnancy. Even in his birth, John the Baptist paved the way for Jesus Christ, born as word of Jesus' upcoming birth began to spread. These details about time are important. The God revealed to us through Jesus Christ is a God who acts in and through time. The story of salvation is one that happens within history through ordinary human beings, who are transformed by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit. God works in and through people like you and me, 
people like Elizabeth and Mary, old and young, married and unmarried. The glory of the Lord is revealed in time, in the dawn breaking forth from on high. And God's saving work flows out through time in both directions from the life of Christ. Our readings today focus on prophecy and foreshadow the saving work of Christ by looking at his life from that which comes before. Isaiah speaks of a voice crying out, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. And Zechariah prophesies that his son John will be called the prophet of the Most High, who will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. Our readings today tell us about the promise of John's ministry and the mission that has been set before him. Only in the reading from Acts today do we hear about what John actually did in his life. Paul recounts the history of salvation at the temple in Antioch, showing how John points the way toward Christ. When asked whether he is the Messiah, John says, No, one is coming after me, and I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. But nowhere in today's readings do we hear of how John's life ends with a gruesome beheading. The first sermon I ever preached was on the beheading of John the Baptist, and it was at a Pentecostal church in North India. It was the summer of 2009, and there had been some violence against Christians in the region the previous year. I was there doing research, traveling around, interviewing people, trying to find out what the situation was like a year later. And so on a Saturday evening in July, I met with a woman from the Evangelical Fellowship of India, Smita Pramanik. Smita invited me to attend church with her the next morning, and she insisted that since I was a theology student, I must deliver the message. She said I could preach on any passage, but being raised in a lectionary tradition, that was a bit overwhelming. So I went and looked it up, and it was Mark 6, 14 to 29, the beheading of John the Baptist. Now, the church that I preached at was actually a temporary orphanage for children whose parents were either killed in the violence or who were living in refugee camps and couldn't afford to care for their children. And so suddenly, the story of the beheading of John the Baptist became a lot more real. Many of these children knew somebody who had been killed for their faith something totally foreign to my own experience. For the first time in my life, I had to ask myself, is my faith something that I could die for? What did Christ really mean to me? And how does death witness to the salvation that we receive in Christ? On this bright, sunny day, one of the longest days of the year, when a child of promise is born, so much promise we heard in the readings, it's hard to acknowledge that there will be darkness ahead for that child and for us. But it is important to remember that being saved by Christ 
does not mean that life will be easy or free of suffering. There can be real painful consequences for proclaiming the gospel. John preached the need for repentance and forgiveness of sins, calling for people to live righteous lives and prepare themselves for the coming of the Messiah. He criticized King Herod for marrying his brother's wife, and he was beheaded as a result. In both his birth and his death, John foreshadowed Christ's own journey for Jesus' life too, like John's, ended in a brutal murder. From today onwards, the days will gradually go shorter, diminishing until the point that we long and ache for the coming of the Christ child. It's no coincidence that we celebrate Christmas in the bleak midwinter, around the time of the winter solstice. Christ is the light that shines in the darkness, the word of grace and mercy, the hope of us who are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. In that time of darkness, we must remember that death is not the final word. In the end, truth and love will triumph. As Paul wrote to the Romans, since we have been united in Christ, with Christ in a death like his through baptism, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. The death of John the Baptist is not the final word. After him comes the Christ who raises us all to new life. And so today, on the opposite end of the year, around the time of the summer solstice, we look ahead to the coming of Christ by focusing on the life of John the Baptist, who called us to prepare for Christ's coming, who called us to repentance, to baptism, and who gave us knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of sins. This phrase, knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of sins, is the most important thing in our readings today because it most clearly reveals the true nature of salvation, that we are not saved because of anything that we have done, but because we have experienced God's grace and forgiveness, because our sins have already been forgiven. That is the true knowledge of salvation. Our repentance, then, is a response to the love that we have first received from God. And so the preparation that we are called to on this day entails recognizing ourselves as both sinful and forgiven. This is the message of salvation that has been given to us, that Paul proclaims in the Acts of the Apostles, that Christ embodies and John prepares. John said that he was not worthy to even untie the thong of the sandals on the one who was coming after him. But the one who is worthy 
Jesus Christ, has come, and he has looked upon us with tender mercy. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.